0: Recording. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, please stand by.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that'll work. That, that is satis- work. that's satisfying right there. <laughs> All
2: right. Hey Matt, I want to say thank you for listening. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Team Row Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Crocker, and we do three things on this podcast. We talk a little booze, we talk a little beer, and we talk a whole lot of basketball. Joining me, as always, you know him, you love him. He's the tall guy himself, Mitch. Hiya. <laughs> Hi-ya, to start. Hiya. We have a some new blood in the podcast today. We've got Grilled Daddy B himself here with us, Brandon Hatfield. He's a great friend, friend of the pod, and we call him Grilled Daddy B because he can grow you a mean steak. Brandon, introduce yourself.
1: Thanks. Yeah. Well, I'm very honored to be on the podcast. Uh yeah, anytime. Feel free to let me know. I'm all all about the grilling. So <laughs> I do I will I'll take you up on that.
2: So, today we're going to be talking the Clippers. This is our first episode of the team series. We'll just kind of randomly pick some teams. Not going to lie, a lot of our friends are fans of different teams, so when we have a friend in town and they want to talk on the podcast. We're going to talk about their team. So Brandon's here tonight. We're talking the Clippers, and uh, he also picked the beer for us today. So Brandon, what are we drinking?
1: First off, go Clips. Uh, it's a little weird. Some very strange time to be a Clippers fan, and and really new heights that I never would have imagined. But nonetheless, to the to the beers, we have a uh, Ballast Point is a San Diego brewery. Um, they have a couple of their main breweries in San Diego, and we'll be drinking the Grapefruit Sculpin IPA. They have a few um, different beers and they're labeled after, um, certain, um, certain fish. So you have like your, and uh, certain, uh, sea wildlife. So you have like your Sculpin IPA, um, their watermelon Dorado is actually really good as well. Um, they have a regular Sculpin IPA and, uh, I'm totally blank right now, but they have a few, but nonetheless, I think grapefruit Sculpin is their most solid of their IPAs. Um, they have a distillery in, uh, or they have like a like a restaurant in San Diego as well as in Long Beach, which I've been in the one in Long Beach. That's a new location, and they have really solid beers. They're one of the, they're one of the uh, of the mainstream like breweries. They're one of the best in Southern California for sure.
2: For those of you that don't know, Brandon is from the Southern California area, as am I. So Chino Hills represent the, the Ball brothers. Let's go, um, <laughs> let's go. He's also a big beer guy, so we're happy to have him here. We're expanding the podcast, adding more beer. I need a break from the whiskey every time we do this. So. The Devil's
1: Acre a few episodes ago. The Devil's River. Devil's River.
2: Sorry. Devil's River. Sorry. It's on the uh, bar cart behind me, staring at me, and I, I don't like the, the the look it's giving me right now.
0: I love the look it's giving me. <laughs> no, I I uh, I like the Ballast Point. I've had it a couple times. I know that it's like really blowing up, like because it's a pretty new one, right? Um, relatively, I don't know what
1: year they opened. Um, but certainly in the last ten years, for sure, um, San Diego has kind of become one of the big um, cities for craft beer. Yeah, it definitely is up there with like Portland and um, and LA as well. And back in um, back on the East Coast, there's a few spots. I think there's one in like Connecticut and Vermont that are big spots. But San Diego is per capita is one of the top. that's what i heard craft beers. yeah that's why i heard that the
0: microbrewery scene is like huge in san diego it's
1: pretty crazy yeah it and a lot of like a lot of like the really top breweries are just kind of um you know not really franchises or like you know multiple locations like ballast point they're kind of one of the bigger kind of more mainstream um for southern california like craft beers but uh always really solid like out here in texas like if if i see a whole beer list and i don't recognize anything but they got sculpin and that's that's the go-to it's good. So. It's a little sour, which I kind of like. It's got like this little like sourness to it, mm-hmm. I, which is obviously
2: the grapefruit. Um, I've had it many times before. I love this beer. It's great. I'm not a big IPA guy, but I do indulge, and this is one of the, my favorite IPAs.
1: Yeah, certain IPAs. I feel like you know everyone kind of has their style with it, but some people like like my dad really likes the like super hoppy, like maybe a little less flavor. But I like like a good mix of like some hops and then some flavor as well, where you kind of you know. Going down, it's like yeah, I get these hops, but then you know, kind of aftertaste, you're like, okay, I get a little bit of flavor in it. It's
0: this one's really, really solid. Yeah, I, a, I a enjoy great, it. a great choice. Tell me if I'm wrong, but so we're drinking the grapefruit Sculpin IPA. Is there like another, like a, a normal Sculpin IPA flavor? Well, it's like not attention. Oh, Mitch. sorry. There is, no. the <laughs> <laughs> there
1: is a regular Sculpin IPA. I don't know <laughs> if I ever had it. I've always just known the grapefruit's better. And I have no reason to to kind of dip down. You know, the beer should always get better. You
0: know, it's like, so. You sound like every teacher I've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Your teachers talk to you about beer too? Yes. In between them being like, did you not just hear what I said? (laughs) I need need your teachers. All right. Well, let's get into
2: it. We are here, obviously, to talk Clippers. Bren is a big Clipper fan. We're going to start off with just letting you talk about your Clippers fandom a little bit. Tell us why you're a Clipper fan. Tell us some clipper stories if you have
1: any but this this episode is all clippers we're going to be talking about how the clips clip that's that's easy to do that's very easy to do um so my, i guess my clipper fandom is growing up in LA of course there, you know there were there were two teams and one was great and one was awful um i know the and lakers were terrible yeah the lakers the it, was, it was really rough you know for the lakers in the 2000s <laughs> yeah. right um but growing up just just being truly honest like i wasn't really a big kobe guy Um, Which, I was never super into basketball. Like, I'm I'm a little more of a football guy. But, you know, looking back on the Kobe stuff, it was kind of like just his intensity on the court kind of rubbed me the wrong way, I guess. Which, you know, that's not always a bad thing. But nonetheless, like, you know, eight-year-old me is like, oh, you know, I don't like Kobe. And, like, he looks like, you know, he's being a jerk out there, whatever. Nonetheless, the Clippers were so bad then they pretty much paid you to go to games. So, like, we definitely sat, like, almost courtside for an insanely amount, like, for a very cheap price. And they had always, like, good deals and stuff. And it was just kind of like, oh, there's another other team in L.A. to like? Like, sure, we'll give it a try. And it was a very rough beginning. It was it was nice to join because it, it was, like, the Sam Cassell, Catino, Mobley, Corey McGetty, Elton Brands. So they weren't, like, completely awful. They were just, like, kind of bad to men they made a playoffs uh i don't remember what year but it was kind of that late like maybe 2007 2008 yeah. they made the playoffs and um it was just kind of like all right you know i could be about this you know and um and then it was like really bad to then getting blake griffin um and it was just kind of the rise since then which was really weird like because when like like when we got chris paul it was like wait we got like a real player like how does this happen? Like, we're the Clippers. Like, how do we get, like, an actual basketball player outside of the number one overall pick?
0: Yeah, the Clippers... So- oh, I'm go sorry. Ahead. No, go I, ahead. No, go I was ahead. just going to say, yeah, the Clippers have definitely had this weird meteoric rise, especially here with the Kawhi and Paul <laughs> oh. George thing, where oh. I feel like they were the darlings of the NBA. Where everyone's like, oh, the Clippers. Like, I hope you do well. Even, what was it, two years ago with Doc Rivers, and you? he's, like, leading the squad with Danilo and stuff. Everyone's like, yeah, like, hell yeah, go Clippers. That and one year when they, like... That-
2: pushed the Warriors yes. to six games and they really shouldn't have pushed the Warriors to six games. I was all about it. I'll yes. I'll
1: I'll get there. I would <laughs> like the the Lob City Clippers were obviously they were very entertaining and um and they had their, their ups and their downs and it was just really strange because like, you know, it's it's definitely a roller coaster of of, of uh ups and downs with, with being the Clipper fan and and with the Lob City thing, which was weird because when you know, we would get so close. Like I think it was in 15, we choked to Houston 3-1, and which I actually went to two of those games. And the first game, like Austin Rivers had like 30 points off the bench and was just like, I was like laughing because I was like, where where did this come from? And, and Austin <laughs> Rivers was on the Clippers at this. Yes, point. Austin Rivers was on both Clippers. Teams, yes, Clipper <laughs> thank you Yes, off the Clipper bench, and then we turned around back to game six at Staples Center, and in the like I think it was the third quarter, we were up by like 20 or 25. And Josh Smith and Corey Brewer just became Michael Jordan, and they just did not miss. Like I don't know, I don't know the stat line or anything, but anyways, they mounted this crazy comeback. Not, not even James Harden; he just sat on the bench the whole time. And it's like they came back without, you know, without James Harden. It, it was very frustrating. But anyways, we ended up choking that series as well. And... That seems to be somewhat of a theme with you guys lately. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> we. The Clippers kind of started the whole 3-1 thing because it was like the blew a 3-1 lead and then it was like the Indians in the World Series and then like the Warriors and it was like, we keep passing the torch of this 3-1 thing and ironically it comes back to the Clippers <laughs> yeah, again this past circle. year. So it's that's the most Clipper thing I've ever heard. But it's the ups and downs and then yeah, the, the Clippers, I think that was 18-19 was a really fun team. Mm-hmm. and. But going back to the Lob City thing, it was weird because at the time I thought it was like maybe it was Doc Rivers like was the problem like if we can't like if we all we have all these talent these great players why aren't they you know if they can't mesh or whatever like that's got to be the coaching so there was a brief period where I was like yeah get rid of Doc like this isn't working like we have awesome players this should work and that really made a complete 180 because of the 1819 team which was like the the it was like the Pat Bev and Tobias Harris. Um, and Zubach and Montrez, um, and Shaman, young Shaman as well that like they, what I really liked is that they played as a team, like the Lob City Clippers, you know, they were kind of a bunch of individuals just kind of going together and, but that team really played together. And like, you could tell that they really enjoyed themselves. Boban's on that team as well. Got Love me some Boby. Love and me some Boby. It was really neat. And, and, that, and, that made it, <laughs> and that made a complete 180 because it was like, well... If Doc can make the playoffs and force these all great Warriors teams to six games, like, you know, that wasn't his fault with the with the Lob City Clippers. So uh really, really enjoyed Doc, and he's always been, if anything, now such a constant for the clips. And then uh this past year with the getting the crazy superstars, like I thought getting Chris Paul was a big deal. It was like when we got Kawhi on um, I think I got home from work or something. It was pretty late. It was like, you know, midnight, 1 a.m., something like that. And I looked, and I look at Twitter, I'm like, oh my gosh, Kawhi Leonard signed with the Clippers, like, let's go, and I'm thinking with this team, and then I refresh it like a minute later, and then it, like, Woj quote tweeted it, It it's like, oh, the Clippers get Paul George in this trade, and I'm like, what in the, what, I had to like triple take my phone thinking this is actually real, and so they're at their their point now, and it's, you know, like I said a few minutes ago, highs and lows, it's uh, the high of... You know, being having expectations and being title contenders, and uh, but not getting out of the second round, which is just Jamal our,
2: Murray had a little something to say about the yeah title contending.
1: yeah I, something about the uh, the second round that really does us in. Yeah. So I'm I'm not really sure, but you know, it's we have I'd like to think we have what it takes, having two top ten players in the NBA. So. People would argue against that after this playoff with Paul George being a top ten. Yeah,
0: player I guess regular today.
1: season players. would right? like. <laughs> I
0: feel like everyone's kind of forgetting how good your team is. All right, like everyone's like kind of like pushing you off to the side and forgetting that like who Kawhi Leonard can be. He is like
1: the definition of consistency. Like it is insane how you just like you know, and he's not really most ball dominant player, but like you know. I feel like every other possession, it's just he dribbles to the elbow, pulls up a mid-range, and he makes it every time. And it's just like, you know, I thought Chris Paul's mid-range was great. Like, I I think Kawhi, it's just... But then Kawhi, you see him posterize like it was a Daniel Tice on the Celtics. He, yeah. he completely yacked on one time. And he is an incredible player. And um, I'm really excited to see what, what he can do with... Uh, maybe with some of the new additions that we will get to later in the podcast.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's talk about the old before we get to the new. I want both you two to react to last season's clippers because they came in with the expectation of it's them, it's the Lakers, it's Milwaukee, and it's, you know, the, the, basically those teams in the, in the grand scheme of things. And so Everyone was gearing up for this LA Western Conference Finals. It was almost written in stone before the season even started. Denver producer Jay's over there giving me the thumbs up. Um, had a little bit to say about that. Actually, a lot of it to say a about, to say that. about yeah. that one. But let's let's react to last season. Our
1: people are
0: is it blow it up time? What what do we think? Go ahead, Mitch. So I act, I had the Clippers going to the finals all year. Like that was my pick. Going into the playoffs, like I still had the Clippers. I thought that if it did get to them and the Lakers, they had the best shot that anyone in the West Coast. I mean, I thought that Milwaukee would have had a better, had a pretty good chance against the Lakers, too. But overall, I really like the Clippers. I still really like the Clippers. And. They turned out to be fairly hateable, mainly because of Marcus Morris's like antics. But I still really like the Clippers. I think people—it's a dangerous proposition to be sleeping on these guys because Kawhi is the ultimate assassin in today's NBA. Or like, I would not want to play Kawhi in a seven-game series, almost as much as like fearing LeBron when you play him in a seven-game series. Because Kawhi's kind of shown that he like can backpack a team where he did it with the Raptors. I paul george to me is the biggest question mark like he just needs to play like how paul george can play and step up in the big moments and that's kind of the biggest question mark for me for you guys i like it sucks to see you go down like be up 3-1 then lose in that fashion like that's just like heartbreaking i producer jay is probably gonna be mad at me but i think that they got kind of lucky in that they caught you in like a lull you definitely hit a lull and jamal murray just like caught fire and those two things combined is what caused that 3 1 collapse.
2: Yeah, and, and kind of going off that hateable thing, it's hard not to be hateable when you have Pat Beverly, Marcus Morris, and Montrezl Harrell on your team. That's we, just.
1: just <laughs> we, we have a lot of players. So that, much just jerk on hate team.
0: Going possibly. forward, they won't have all those guys. Yeah, they no only Montrez. have two of them. Yeah, no Montres anymore for you guys. Brandon, how are you taking this loss? Um, I'm not happy. I didn't feel super great about us keeping
1: him, though. Um, I knew he was going to get paid somewhere else. But when it came out that but he, he... But he didn't get paid. But he, when he didn't really get paid, and then he went to the Lakers, I'm going to start it off with a, a, a very... I'll say a very warm take. I won't even give it a hot. Feel free to expose me for this. It was a very mini, It was a very Durant-esque move by Montrez Harrell. Ooh. Durant. In the in the classic, if you can't beat them, you join them. I know we didn't get a chance to play the Lakers in the conference final. We can thank the producer Jay's Matt uh, Denver Nuggets for that one. I Wish it was the Mavs. And <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at you, but I was thinking of his teeth <laughs> Ethan started daydreaming for a I second. Like, oh. the, Nug- <laughs> the Nuggets really I put remember. a a wrench into that one. But uh, if we had the chance, you know, it's it's all you know. It's a what should have, could have, but. Anyways, Montrez, for the contract he did to go to the Lakers felt very Durant-esque. Not, nowhere near the level of that, but I got some vibes of that.
0: I am straight backstabbing is what I got out of that. Yeah, I am, like, I'm I'm unhappy for you guys. But then it goes about, and we would have liked to have Harrell
1: back. Like, it's not like we don't want the sixth man of the year back. Um, But I I think we just figured he was going to get paid elsewhere. And then it was just like, well, okay. And I think we were ready to match maybe to a certain point because I think we have bird rights on him as well. But then it came out, and his first thing with the Lakers, basically asking him, like, did the Clippers, you know, if the Clippers wanted him back. And he goes, and he literally says, quote, I mean, that goes without saying, apparently not if I'm on the other side. So it is what it is, really. Which is getting major vibes of, like, eh. And it's like, well, oh my gosh! I read this article in the middle of work today, and I was very upset. Here's another quote that Montrez had to say quote I feel like I feel that if you spend your career in any place long enough, you're going to want to still keep playing there and keep growing there. So, of course, I still have great respect for those guys and for that organization. But, like I said, as far as they wanted me back, obviously, it doesn't seem that way, does it? I was like, no, of course we wanted you back, but also we would have taken you back for that contract. So. If you really want to stay here and keep growing here, how come you only take the 11 and a half sharing the building with the other guys instead of coming back and running back with us? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it feels pretty disrespectful and he, and he's claiming it's a business decision and it's about me and my family, but it's like, yeah, I guess I don't have to move and I can go to the people that won the title that beat that would have beaten us. Yeah, I don't I think, think the, I don't know if we would have beaten the Lakers.
0: The big question and we can the, get into that later as well. The big question is like, how much did you guys actually offer him? Because if you could have matched that, or if you were willing to go more than that, then is he actually willing to come back to the Clippers, or was he just kind of like, I've mentally moved on, I need to get away from this like three-one thing I really, and like go and play for? LeBron. I really
1: don't know. And like I said, you guys keep up with it more than I do, but it seems like. The Clippers never really had a chance it was just kind of like up peril's going to the Lakers I guess for this like it would there was never any word of like the Clippers are matching it they want to bring him back it was just kind of this weird like you know no one really talked about it and it, I guess we assumed that he was gonna get paid somewhere else he goes to wherever uh, a Detroit or a, you know Sacramento somewhere get get his paycheck but for a contract that we would have very much offered him, It seems a little weird going back to the Lakers, especially when we dish out way more money to Marcus Morris, bringing him back, and Serge Ibaka.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it
1: definitely felt
2: like the Clippers would have definitely taken Harrell on that contract. Like, it was just—it's a steal. I mean, you get the sixth man of the year, two years, $19 million. Like, that is—that's a steal by any stretch of the— By any definition of the word? Yeah,
1: averaging 18.6 points per game last year to go along with Lou Will. So those were the big two off the bench, both over 18 points a game. Dang, that's actually crazy. I didn't know that Montrez was over 18 points a game. 18.6, if I can get all my things together. It looks like uh, I'm trying to find his boards here. Uh, Around probably five and a
0: half, maybe? Now, we did talk about Montrez. No, sorry, seven. 7.1 rebounds a game. Wow. So he's putting up 18 and 18, seven off the 18 bench. 18
1: and seven off the bench to Lou Wills, 18 and six assists off the bench.
0: Now, Ian and I did talk on another podcast earlier about Trez, and it, he is one of those guys that, like, the main thing that he's bringing to your team is energy. And obviously, he he has to have a good touch around the rim and he has to have, like, a good feel for the game to be able to average 18 points. Like, that doesn't just happen but I don't think that he is as valuable as your prototypical six man of the year guy is.
1: Wholeheartedly. And another thing too that Doc kind of did pre Kawhi and Paul George. I guess well I like, I guess when they also joined the team was that he the 18-19 Clippers pre the two superstars, Doc really started him and Zubac kind of based on the matchups like oh if they match up better with Zubac starting. We'll start him. If we start, you know, if we match up better with Montrez, we'll start him. And like I really like that vibe, but the the two things with them is that they they really can't guard a true big. Like when and this was another thing that really hurt us in the playoffs, like especially facing like, you know, Chris Stapps and even Boban and then in the second round facing Jokic, that like, these true bigs that you're going to see in the playoffs, like, as much as the league's going to small ball now, a true big is still extremely valuable. And, like, when and when you have to face, like, in any sort of playoff series, you know, there's a chance that you go through Jokic, Gobert, and, jeez. Anthony uh, Davis. Anthony Davis. Jeez, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, there's, th- you know, there's three or four true bigs that we have no answer to. And that was even from the beginning of the year. Like, I remember... I remember you and me, Ethan, were talking about, like, oh, this Clipper-Laker thing, and it was like, oh, how do they match up? And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, Anthony Davis has to guard Paul George. But then we go on the flip side, and we're like, wait a second. Montrez or Paul George has to guard Anthony Davis. And it was this weird thing where it was, it was a weird matchup-wise, but I think that was what really hurt us this past year, is that we, we'd we face these these true big men in the playoffs, and we had no answer for them at all. Yeah, it was definitely apparent in the playoffs that, Montrez especially could not hang.
2: I mean, he was played like in the Mavericks series, especially he was played off the floor by Boban. Like literally, his minutes mm-hmm. in the series were considerably lower lower than normal because whenever uh, Doc put Montrez in, Carlisle would put Boban in, and
1: Boban would outplay him. He'd and, have he'd have random spurts of like like ten points in four minutes that they just throw it down to Boban, and he just turns around and uh, you know he. He, he jump he jump hooks them to death. So as uh, as Shaq would say, right? <laughs> yes, yes.
2: All right. So, but that's last year's Clippers. Let's let's talk this year's Clippers. They have made some interesting moves this offseason. They re-signed Marcus Morris to a decent contract. It was a 4-year, years, million dollars, I believe. They get Serge Ibaka for about 9.2 a year. Serge Ibaka is a, a big piece on your team. I mean, he's a guy that can guard these bigs. Not necessarily exclusively, but stretch five, really adds a lot of uh, character to a team. Great locker room guy, knows Kawhi well, is good friends with Kawhi. I mean, and still produces at 15 and a half, eight, and a little, over assist, or a little under assist and a half a game. So still a, pro- a productive player. And with those two additions, I don't know if
1: your team got better, but it definitely didn't get a whole lot worse. Yeah, I think we, it's not the, you know, it's obviously not a rebuilding, it's like a retooling. To where, you know, we lose a guy like Montrez, a six-man of the year. um, But we're still good. We still have another six-man of the year, in Lou will. So (laughs) we're good on that side. But uh, I was kind of mentioning to you guys even before we started the podcast tonight that, like, the Clippers added a lot more versatility. Not that we weren't versatile before. Like, last year's team wasn't versatile. But I feel like really, I guess, new coach Ty Lue could... Could go as really big or as small as he wants. With the roster we have now, of course, you know, if we make another move, maybe we get somebody like Kasan Whiteside if we have the cap, or if or if Bombers just like yeah, we'll get anybody. Like it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter to him. He's building a new stadium <laughs> right next to the Rams, so it would be. I do like the versatility a lot, especially I do really like the Luke Kennard move, getting him and bringing him in. I think he adds a lot of playmaking to this team where the offense gets a little stagnant, which you had mentioned against the Mavs happened a little bit and certainly happened throughout the course of the year, that when it gets stagnant, that maybe maybe Luke Kennard could be some sort of playmaker that gets open looks for whoever. But it, honestly, like you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, like they're going to get a lot of open looks for other people too. So I like the versatility they have in their lineups to go as big or as small as they like, but also the, the guys they have really can bring about I think just more movement and kind of less staticky of offense, if that makes sense. I guess.
0: Yeah. So the big, like the big moves that you guys have made is you already kind of touched on it is Ibaka and Luke Kennard. Those are your two new dudes coming into this Clippers team. Mm -hmm. I would make the I would make the argument that you pretty much flipped Montrez for Ibaka, and I think like you know. Not on purpose, but that is kind of how it turned out. Pretty much. Ibaka is same thing like Shamit for yes, Kennard. And right? Shamit for Kennard. And I yeah. would I would say that both of those are considerable considerable upgrades in both talent, versatility, and like character. Like those are your guys that like Ibaka and Kennard are both known to be really good locker guys. Ibaka mm-hmm. actually can guard seven-footers because he is a seven-footer and he's a great shot blocker. And he's just a kind of a good team defensive guy. Montrez never was. And then uh Kennard comes in in that same kind of role that Shamit did. But Shamit was almost exclusively a catch and shoot guy, where, like you said, Canard is actually gonna be able to take it off the bounce and make plays for other people. I and I I you mean, know, I would argue that you guys are the still the number two team in the West. I don't know if you're going to have the second seed just because you're always doing the um, the load management, load management thing, thing and, which is going to yeah. be a big deal this year with this uh, shortened 72 compact game season. that's like yep. going to be a little bit more compacted. Uh, the load management is going to be more of a thing. So my guess, you probably end up with a third or fourth seed just because you end up benching Kawhi and Paul George. But overall, I still would be very, very afraid of the Clippers. And I think you have just as much of a chance this year to beat the Lakers as you did last year. Mainly because of Ibaka going up against uh, Anthony Davis, then like go having Trez or Zubach go up against Anthony Davis. Man, I'd like to think
1: so. I had a really stressful going back to the the Shamit kind of for Luke Kennard, you know, trade as it were. There was a very brief period where I was extremely upset, and it was because it was just like you know we got rid of a, a really significant role player for just the you know the nineteenth tw- the pick, which is I guess is a, is a good asset, of course, a middle first round pick is a good asset, but then. It was about 20 minutes of just very extreme confusion, and then the the completed trade, where basically we get Luke Kennard, and then the Pistons get that pick, and it was just kind of like this big like big sigh of relief of like you know I just got to trust Jerry West, like he arguably might be one of the best executives ever. Yeah, he, he and, was the one that
2: constructed the Warriors that you know broke the wins record and you know went to three straight final. Like he. The guy knows how to
1: build a
0: team, and the Kobe yeah. Shaq Lakers. He was the GM of that team as well.
1: Yeah, so I had you know about twenty minutes of like, all right, I guess I gotta trust Jerry, and then it was like, all right, I I get it now, I get it. Which, yeah. uh, but it was just kind of like, you know, Shamit for for Luke Kennard, like a man, you know, player on the Pistons, and it's like, I don't know, this guy's this guy's a baller, like he's he's good, and I'm I'm ex- I'm really excited to see what he brings to this Clipper team, and um, as well as Serge Ibaka, like we haven't really had, you know, he's kind of our first like. Really our first scoring center as you as it were, maybe since like prime Blake? A scoring big, I mm-hmm. guess, right? Yeah, I mean, and you could you could argue that Blake
2: wasn't really a center either. I mean he might be your yeah. best like he might be our scoring best scoring big, big maybe since, since Elton Brand. I was gonna
1: say Elton Brand or Chris, Chris Kamen back or in came, the day. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Chris Kamen. I gotta give him a little shout out. If he ever listens to this, I'm a big fan of his. <laughs> and if I if if I were to put my life on a basketball shot outside of a layup or dunk it's a Chris Kamen baseline J. Like a, like a 10, 12 footer. Like you put the free throw like 90 degrees to the right or left. That baseline J from Chris Kamen is money. Dude, like, I love
0: Chris Kamen. Yeah. He had a short stand with the Blazers. He's, he's one of my Kamen. favorite.
1: It's weird because some of my favorite clippers over the years haven't been the stars. Like I really, I really like Kamen. I really like Randy Foy. He was just such a knockdown Andy shooter. I, like Randy Foy was awesome. I and feel I was like,
0: really upset when we got rid of Randy Foy. I feel and, like that's gotta be like that's a classic Clippers mentality. Like if you're gonna choose to be a Clippers fan over at Lakers, then you're gonna be a fan of like all of the weird role players as opposed <laughs> to the actual yeah. stars. Even uh Ryan Gomes wasn't too yeah. bad back in the day. <laughs> he, could hit it. he could knock
1: it down. But it was yeah, oh my gosh, Randy Foy was one of my guys. And then uh but of like the you know of the superstar Clippers like the Lob City clips I like DeAndre a lot um, but Jamal Crawford he has a soft spot to my heart he he was pretty awesome all of, right of the so,
2: throwbacks but so I just you guys your guys' tangent here gave me a chance to look it up Landry wow well, Landry Schammett stats versus Luke Kennard's stats Landry Shamit averaged nine points 1.9 rebounds and 1.9 assists last year. Luke Kennard averaged 15.8 points, 3.5 rebounds, and 4.1 assists. As a team where you don't have a true guy who can really go out and get a, a lot of assists, I mean, your leader was, looks like Lou Will at a, probably. a little over five and a half. Sounds about right. And then maybe it was, uh, <clears throat> it looks like Kawhi maybe Kawhi, at five. probably, right? So you need a guy who can go out there and get you some assists. And Luke Kennard's young. He has a lot of learning to do. And given this... Like if you give him, you know, not necessarily the keys, but you give him the opportunity of like, hey, you can really go and create for these guys. He could be, he could, you know, bump that four point one up to six point one and really be a good creator for your team.
1: Yeah, I'm really curious to, uh, to see if he starts. Did he start on the Pistons? He started on the he, Pistons last year, right? He's the started. starting he shooting guard for Detroit like last year. Ninety percent of the and arguably on him the and pistons. Blake were probably and D Rose were probably yeah. their offense last year. So yeah, I'm certainly excited. I I don't know what role he's obviously going to have a major role in this team. I don't know if that's a starting two, you know, starting two guard or maybe even in some lineups a one or off the bench. After I would assume Lou will Lou will still the sixth man of this team. Correct me if I'm wrong. Lou will will always be the
0: sixth man. He's the sixth man of any team that has him. (laughs) Yeah, he
1: doesn't. He even straight from uh, from the horse's mouth. You know, he doesn't start games. He finishes them. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's just what he does.
0: But
2: okay, so let's take a break here. Let's get back into this Sculpin. I need to grab another one. I do uh, as well. So I mean, I'm enjoying it. The more I drink, the more of the grapefruit I get of it. Like from it, I really like it. Again, not a big IPA guy,
1: but uh, it's it's tasty. I'm I'm glad you're going for a second. I'm really yeah. proud of you. <laughs> I mean, I'm no, I, I've had this one before. It's, I like this one. It it's really solid. Them and um, I'm, I was trying to think of more. Um, San Diego breweries, but another big one is Stone. Stone IPAs are a big, kind of more mainstream, like like uh, like Ballast Point is. Um, They're too big in San Diego. Um, Another big one, I'm trying to think. uh, Not as mainstream, but there's another really good one. Um, Oh man, I'm pretty sure uh, Swami is one. I don't know if you're super into the IPA scene, but I'm pretty sure Swami is a South uh, or South San Diego uh brewery san diego as well is south. it is it's very <laughs> south it's, it's about as south as it gets um Swami is another really good one um i i would have to look more on the san diego brewery scene but there are so many down there like like uh like north san diego like del mar la jolla they have some really good breweries there obviously like old town like downtown san diego it's all throughout you you got good beers all over the place there yeah it, it's kind of popping but holds its own even against like some of these even like more like like big dog breweries that like some of where out of five stars, all their beers average, you know, 4.2, 4.3 out of five, where even like Sculpin, you know, it holds its own. So it's for, for a mainstream, like big IPA beer, like it's, it's really good. Yeah. It's, it's I, always a staple.
0: I like it quite a lot. I actually, I'm not a fan of grapefruit, like in most I'm not things either. in yeah. general. I never eat, no. But you get the sourness that like comes out of the grapefruit, but... You don't. It's not like the overwhelming, like uh, really like citric acidity grapefra- group, mm-hmm. grapefruit flavor that you get. Uh, it's actually pretty smooth for an IPA. Like the, it do, I don't yeah. know what the IBUs is, but it doesn't taste like crazy, crazy hoppy like a lot of like I, IPAs do. Yeah,
1: since it's it's probably a single IPA, so it's probably not too insane. It's uh, seven, seven. Okay. Oh, yeah. Nice um, and low. So it's maybe not quite yet for a double, but. Yeah, really good stuff, and it's it's about as San Diego of a beer as it gets. Like, you know, we're drinking this inside, you know, in, in indoors, but like this is a great one where, like, if you're you're at the beach and you're at the beach and you have a little cooler with your friends, like, you know, ideally my, my dad is like a crazy beer snob, like to the point where it's like kind of sickening, <laughs> but you know his whole thing is like you know oh I'll drink you know a Sculpin or a Watermelon Dorado is another really good one mm-hmm. if you find it in SoCal you may not find it out here in uh in the DFW area but uh. He always is like, you know, I'll drink one of these if it's if I'm outside and it's 80 degrees or warmer, I will drink this. <laughs> wow, well, like, that is oh. a Pierce. It's like it's like oh oh my dad. It's it it's, is currently like probably I, in the I love my low dad. 50s, he's, he's high great. 40s right now. <laughs> yeah, but that's just that's just my dad's thing, which I'll drink this forever, But <laughs> he's much more snob than I am. Um, but grapefruit sculpin is is very solid, and
2: yeah, you know, it's,
1: if it's, you're outside and it's above 80 degrees. It is a perfect <laughs> beer, so it's a it's a really solid IPA.
2: It is pretty impressive that a beer from San Diego San Diego Brewing Company that's like not necessarily a small company, but like not not one of the big ones finds its way all the way to DFW. Like the mm-hmm. fact that we literally went into a local liquor store and picked these up shows like how
1: good it is and how like far it's reaches. Shout out to there. There's another place out in a uh, in Clear Fork. Um, City Works, you probably, you guys have probably been there. They have Sculpin on draft like all the time. And so like, if I'm there you know, like watching NFL or something on Sunday mornings, I'm just, they have like 80 beers on tap and I'm just like, yeah, that one's eh, 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 Oh, they got Sculpin? Cool. Yeah. I like, always go with the Sculpin. It's always my go-to. So it's a, it's a really solid one. And like I said, it, it holds its own amongst yeah. uh, some of the, some of the big boy beers.
0: I kind of so. love that we got the San Diego beer. Going with the Clippers, who yeah, used to be the San Diego basketball team, uh, it's, you could
1: you could make you know. There's a lot of the Clippers are very easy to do little subtle jabs at. Yeah. They're they're the perfect team for that. So you know. <laughs> Some of these listeners might be the whole. Oh, is it? you know, they might go back to San Diego because of that you know, because I was we chose about to say So <laughs> go back to San Diego. <laughs> that might that might be the kiss of death for my fandom. If they went wow. to San Diego, yeah, <laughs> I'm not a San Diego. I'm an I'm an LA guy. So it's like if they're not in LA, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see.
2: Fair enough. We'll right. see. So we've talked about last year's team. This team going forward, expectations. Are there any? Um, sure hope so. Like. <laughs>
1: Yes, they are. I mean, they're not a bad team. Like, Go for it, you sorry.
2: expect something from them, but like, what's their ceiling? What's their floor? Brandon, in your opinion, what's a successful season? What's
1: a non-successful season? Are there more moves to be made here? Where Where are we at? So, I'm hoping. Let's see. I I'm liking where our roster is at now. I still think we need another big, in one way or another, like a true like rim protecting big because Ibaka. Can can do that, but I feel like he's more on the scoring side of things. He's definitely an all-around player, but I feel like Ibaka's is more of a scoring big. Where we, I feel like we really are lacking the the rim protection of like a like a Lob City DeAndre Jordan or somebody like that. Um, so I think we're still a piece away in that matter. We're obviously still I would like you know big title contenders of where we're at now. So I'd like to think we're a top three seed in the West and. If we don't, you know, I'm pretty realistic, and I still think other teams are better than we are, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to pop off and say, like, you know, champs are bust, but, like, you know, when you have the roster you have, you kind of, you at least got to push for that, obviously, and and if we don't even get out of the second round, like, last year was a failure. Like, you know, the Clippers up until the last 10 years, it's like, yeah, second round's pretty good, but with the rosters that we've put together, you know, that's that's, that's still not good enough. Yeah, For especially I, all the talent that we've had.
0: Yeah, I appreciate your humbleness about it, but this team is championship or bust. Like That's yeah. that's just the reality of the situation. That's what it was last year, and mm-hmm. that's what it's going to be this yep. year. And even if you don't and, feel like you're as good as the Lakers or the Bucs or, so, or the Nets or something like that, this team is built to win a championship, especially yeah. this year, being that Kawhi and Paul George are coming up on player options, right?
1: Yep, yeah. If it's not after this year, it gets really dicey. And I really like the moves that they've made so far, because, you know, if you have a team with all these great players, you know, it's like, oh, just run it back, do it again, do it again, run it back. Like, we were thinking maybe Milwaukee was going to do that pre-Drew Holiday. Um, it's like, yeah, run it back, but I, I really like the the retooling that we did. That we, It looks like we really addressed kind of some things that we needed in some more, maybe some more playmaking, maybe some more, uh, more size. And so I, I like, I like where we stand and, and yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely nice to have expectations and be like, you know, (laughs) we, we got to get it done. And it just, it just adds more pressure to, to this roster and, um, and we'll kind of see where it goes. Yeah. It's definitely scary
2: knowing that Kawhi and Paul George are up. I mean, that is like almost 50 points a game that might leave after this year if you don't do well. 50 points a game, 12 rebounds and like eight assists coming out of your scoring and, you know, production if they choose to to leave. And so and with the
1: amount of picks that you gave up to get these guys, Paul George being, I think it was five first round picks. It was three of the Clippers and then two swaps. I think one one if not both were from the Heat. But nonetheless, five picks technically. Five, yeah. 3 were truly ours, but yes, five picks. To be doesn't excuse, but and Kawhi
2: wouldn't come if you didn't get Paul George. So Mm -hmm. you get basically give up five picks for both of them. But if they walk and you don't have a championship and you don't really have a lot of young assets on this Mm -hmm. team, this is a scary future if they do decide to leave.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I, I will say that like the <clears throat> the one thing that you could still use is another defensive minded big man. I like Ibaka a lot, but I think you still have a little bit more to be desired. Seeing that the big man is kind of coming back a little bit. The like the Lakers are making it popular again to have a bunch of big men and like rim protectors and you know uh rollers and cutters and stuff like that i just trust you know i just am
1: hoping and praying that steve Ballmer is just like yeah, we'll go over like i own microsoft like i'll just i'll just pay the luxury tax like that's no biggie to him he just wants to win so it's like at this point it's like you know just kind of screw everything and just go for it like so you know, when are the clipper if the clippers don't win one this next year they may not win one for another maybe jeez. Why? I'd like to think uh, I'd like to think in the next ten years, but I'm thinking maybe double that. But as of right now, I just looked it up. If ever the Clippers currently, their
2: payroll right now is 110 million dollars, and that is before they paid uh, Marcus Morris and Serge Ibaka, and the cap is supposed to be 109. So you're already over. <laughs> I mean, pa- Paul oh, George and Kawhi of. collectively make about 70 million between the two of them. So that gives you about another forty million to fill out the rest of your roster. You end up signing Marcus Morris for fourteen, Beverly makes thirteen, Lew Will makes eight, Zubac makes seven. You sign Serge Ibaka to ten. Like money goes away quickly, so you don't have a ton of gaps. You're bringing in on minimum guys.
1: Yeah, and it would have been nice. Uh, I I would have really liked Boogie Cousins on. I would have liked the minimum, but. Um, I'm assuming he got maybe more than that with nope. Houston. He got he the, took minimum. the minimum. Took the minimum. Well, all right. Well, we probably tried. At least I don't, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that we tried for <laughs> for Boogie Cousins. But yeah, a rim protecting big on a minimum would be like ideal. Maybe a little high. Maybe a little more than Joakim Noah. I love Joakim Noah, but he if he's out there, I'm a little I'm a little concerned. Yeah, because you look at the who, rest. Who of else, your, else is out look, there of like, look, of big men?
2: And well, and you look at the rest of your roster. Your other bigs are Marcus Morris. Serge Ibaka, Patrick Patterson, and then you have Zubac, Cabangale, and Joachim Noah to kind of round out your big rotation. Yeah. Other than Serge Ibaka, there's not really any great post defenders. I mean, you could say Joachim Noah, but that's circa eight and, years ago. Yeah. And, that's, and, that's, <laughs> and
1: that's where it comes back to the whole, like, these other, you know, big teams, like, you know, the Lakers have AD, like, the Nuggets have Jokic. Like, these these really big teams... Have like a in the West, I guess, or I guess on the, in the league, in the whole league, like these these really big big men that you're gonna face in the playoffs. Like you gotta have an answer for them if you really want to contend and like try and beat these guys.
0: Like, yeah, I mean, you could literally go down the list with on the West Coast where you have. Anthony Davis and Marcus All, and then you have Jokic, and then you have Gobert, and then you have Nurkic, and then you have Kristaps Porzingis, Like, yeah. and you have, even throw in Aiton, yeah, even Dondre Aiton yeah, with the up Aiden's and coming Suns, possibly, yeah. Like, so you have to have a good defensive big man. You now have that, I think, in Ibaka. He's going to be a huge step up, but I still don't know if it's enough. You're still lacking in the two things you were really lacking in lit- last year, which is the rim protection and the playmaking. And Kennard and Ibaka are upgrades, but is it enough That's, for the championship? Is the real question. And we I,
2: will find out if they have enough. We will see. I want to get last minute gut reactions. Where do the Clippers end up? Do they win it all?
1: What what round are they out in? Where do they end up? Man, uh I I don't think we get it done this year. With the roster we have now, I don't think we get it done wow.
2: this year. Upsetting from the Clipper fan, Mitch.
0: I would say you make it to the conference finals. And you probably we make it to
1: the conference finals. You are gonna make it we to the, conf- it to the yes. conference finals. Yes, <laughs> yes. Wait, did we make it in 15 against Houston? Uh, oh, wait. No. Did we make it last year against Denver? <laughs> oh, oh,
0: oh, wait. Oh. So that would still be a big s- stepping block, stepping stone for the <gasps> yeah. Clippers. Like that is a, yes. a monumental thing to get yep. to the Western Conference Finals in the first place. <laughs> that's where I end up. That's where I think you guys end up. Yeah, but the ultimate, we'll see,
1: because uh, we all know. The clip's going to clip. We will see, ladies and gentlemen. That is another
2: episode of the Team Morale Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. For Brandon Mitch, we're signing off. Ballast Point, grapefruit sculpting tonight. It was a good one. And as Brandon always says, the clip's going to clip. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. <claps>